The wise have explained that one result is derived from the culture of knowledge and that a different result is obtained from the culture of nescience. Purport, as advised in chapter 13 of the Bhagavad Gita, one should culture knowledge in the following way. It's interesting how Prabhupada explains this from Bhagavad Gita chapter 13 verses 8 through 12 and who could say it's a, it's a liberal translation or its explanation is mixed up with the translation. It's not, it's not directly precise. This is Amanibam Adambidbam this verse is so Prabhupada explains one should become a perfect gentleman and learn to give respect to others. Two, one should not pose himself as a religiousness, religionist, simply for name and fame. Three, one should not become a source of anxiety to others by the actions of his body, by the thoughts of his mind or by his words. Four, one should learn forbearance even in the face of provocation from others. Five, one should learn to avoid duplicity in his dealings with others. Six, one should search out a bona fide spiritual master who can lead him gradually to the stage of spiritual, reali spiritual realization. And one must submit himself to such a spiritual master, render him service and ask relevant questions. Number seven, in order to approach the platform of self-realization, one must follow the regulated principles enjoined in the revealed scriptures. Eight, one must be fixed in the tenets of the revealed scriptures. Nine, one should completely refrain from practices which are detrimental to the interest of self-realization. Ten, one should not accept more than he requires for the maintenance of his body. Eleven, one should not falsely identify himself with the gross material body, nor should one consider those who are related to his body to be his own. Twelve, one should always remember that as long as he has a material body, he must face the miseries of repeated birth, old age, disease and death. There is no use in making plans to get rid of these miseries of the material body. The best course is to find out the means by which one may regain his spiritual identity. Thirteen, one should not be attached to more than the necessities of life required for spiritual advancement. Fourteen, one should not be more attached to wife, children and home than the revealed scriptures ordain. Fifteen, one should not be happy or distressed over desirables and undesirables, knowing that such feelings are just created by the mind. Sixteen, one should become an unalloyed devotee of the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna and serve him with rapt attention. Seventeen, one should develop a liking for a residence in a secluded place with a calm and quiet atmosphere favorable for spiritual culture, and one should avoid congested places where non-devotees congregate. Eighteen, one should become a scientist. It's right there. Or philosopher. And conduct research into spiritual knowledge. Recognizing that spiritual knowledge is permanent, whereas material knowledge ends with the death of of the body. These 18 items combine to form a gradual process by which real knowledge can be developed. Except for these, all other methods are considered to be in the category of nescience. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, a great Acharya, 
maintain that all forms of material knowledge are merely external features of the illusory energy and that by culturing them one becomes no better than an ass. This same principle is found here in Sri Isha Upanishad. By advancement of material knowledge, modern man is simply being converted into an ass. Some materialistic politicians in spiritual guise decry the present system of civilization as satanic, but unfortunately they do not care about the culture of real knowledge as it is described in the Bhagavad Gita. Thus they cannot change the satanic situation. In the modern society, even a boy thinks himself self-sufficient and pays no respect to elderly men. Due to the wrong type of education being imparted in our universities, boys all over the world are giving their elders headaches. Thus, Sri Isha Upanishad very strongly warns that the culture of nescience is different from that of knowledge. The universities are, so to speak, centers of nescience only. Consequently, scientists are busy discovering lethal weapons to wipe out the existence of other countries. University students today are not given instructions in the regulated principles of brahmacharya, celibate student life, nor do they have any faith in any scriptural injunctions. Religious principles are taught for the sake of name and fame only and not for the sake of practical action. Thus there is animosity not only in social and political fields, but in the field of religion also. Nationalism has developed in different parts of the world due to the culture of nescience by the general people. No one considers that this tiny earth is just a lump of matter floating in immeasurable space along with other lumps. In comparison to the vastness of space, these material lumps are like dust particles in the air. Because God has kindly made these lumps of matter complete in themselves, they are perfectly equipped with all necessities for floating in space. The drivers of our spaceships may be very proud of their achievements, but they do not consider the supreme driver of these greater, more gigantic spaceships called planets. There are innumerable suns and innumerable planetary systems also. <laughs> As infinitesimal parts and parcels of the Supreme Lord, we small creatures are trying to dominate these unlimited planets. Thus we take repeated birth and death and are generally frustrated by old age and disease. The span of human life is scheduled for about a hundred years, although it is gradually decreasing to twenty or thirty years. Thanks to the culture of nescience, befooled men have created their own nations with these planets in order to grasp sense enjoyment more effectively for these few years. Such foolish people draw up various plans to render national demarcations perfectly, a task that is totally impossible. Yet for this purpose, each and every nation has become a source of anxiety for others. More than 50% of a nation's energy is devoted to defense matters and thus spoiled. No one cares for the cultivation of real knowledge, yet people are falsely proud of being advanced in both material and spiritual knowledge. Sri Isha Upanishad warns us of this faulty type of education and the Bhagavad Gita gives instructions as to the development of real knowledge. This mantra states that the instructions of vidya, knowledge, must be acquired from Adhira. Adhira is one who is not disturbed by material illusion. 
No one can be undisturbed unless he is perfectly spiritually realized, at which time one neither hankers nor laments for anything. Adhira realizes that the material body and mind he has acquired by chance through material association are but foreign elements, therefore he simply makes the best use of a bad bargain. The material body and mind are bad bargains for the spiritual living entity. The living entity has actual functions in the living spiritual world, but this material world is dead. As long as the living spiritual sparks manipulate the dead lumps of matter, the dead world appears to be a living world. Actually, it is the living souls, the parts and parcels of the supreme living being, who move the world. The dearest have come to know all these facts by hearing them from superior authorities and have realized this knowledge by following the regulated principles. To follow the regulated principles, one must take shelter of a bona fide spiritual master. The transcendental message and regulated principles come down from the spiritual master to the disciple. Such knowledge does not come in the hazardous way of nescient education. One can become a dhira only by submissively hearing from a bona fide spiritual master. <clears throat> Arjun, for example, became a dhira by submissively hearing from Lord Krishna, the personality of Godhead himself. Thus the perfect disciple must be like Arjuna, and the spiritual master must be as good as the Lord himself. This is the process of learning vidya, knowledge, from the dhira, the undisturbed. And Adhira, one who has not undergone gone the training of Adhira, cannot be an instructive leader. Modern politicians who pose themselves as Dhiras are actually Adhiras, and one cannot expect perfect knowledge from them. They are simply busy seeing to their own remuneration in dollars and cents. How then can they lead the mass of people to the right path of self-realization? Thus one must hear submissively from a dhira in order to gain actual education. I chose to speak on this verse today to elaborate on the point that it stresses. One result is derived from the culture of knowledge and then a different result is obtained from the culture of nescience. To elaborate on this point that you get one result from doing one thing and another result from doing something else which seems pretty obvious actually doesn't seem like it would be necessary to state in a very elevated book, this is Upanishads, this is Vedanta, the end of the, the Vedas, and after going through all the Karma Kanda, and then Atato, Brahma Jignasa, now it is in time to inquire into the divinity, the absolute truth, and then they tell them, well you get one result from doing one thing, and another result from doing something else. Seems to be pretty obvious, doesn't it? There's a fire burning and you pour pet petrol into it, then the fire blazes up. And if you pour water into it, then it, be it becomes extinguished and you get smoke. So it seems like uh, in, in everything, if you, uh, if you are employed in some job and you work hard, then the employer will be satisfied and he'll pay you. And if you don't work and you just... You don't you don't bother coming, or you come late, or then you go there and you make a big mess, and then you'll you'll get thrown out from the job. So there's by doing one thing you'll get one result, and by doing something else you'll get another result. Uh, it seems very obvious, and Isha Upanishad, Isha Upanishad, is considered the first of the Upanishads, well, most important. 
Isha means the controller. Isha vasyamidam sarvam. Everything is controlled by him. Everything is under him. Isha vasya. Idam sarvam. Here everything is of the nature of being within his control. He controls everything. That's the very meaning of Ishvara or Isha. So it seems like a very obvious thing, but the tendency of the conditioned soul when he comes out of, comes from the level of karma to the level of jnana is to uh, reject the varieties he's found in the material world and try to perceive everything as all one. And the Ishopanishad it's famously commented upon by Sripad Shankaracharya, who's the, the very clear dualism of the Sri Ishopanishad has been explained by Shankaracharya in a monistic way. <laughs> so you get one result from reading Shankaracharya's commentary and another result from reading Madhvacharya's commentary or Prabhupada's commentary which refutes Shankaracharya's position. So the Upanishads, they start off by by establishing Isha, the, the Supreme Lord. And he is not all one, is not all one, all is one and one is all and all is all and one is one. And, but there's difference. If you say that everything is all one, then it should be that the result of doing anything is the same as the result of doing anything else. And that we have in the modern Neo-Mayavad, the Jotomatotopa, that all actions ultimately give the same result. Or all opinions, as many opinions, that many paths. Or it's all the same, whatever you do. So whether you worship Kali or Krishna or you don't worship anything or you you eat beef or whatever you do, it's all the same. As practically demonstrated in the life of Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa. And actually for him it's all the same because everything he did was envious of Krishna and it all led him to hell. So in his in his case, context specific, every, every, all of his opinions we're all wrong, and if you put them all together, then it all ends up the same. He's going, all the paths that he has shown all go to hell. So in his case, it's true, but it's not a, it's not a universal principle. So Ishopanishad is debunking that theory, and Prabhupada is elaborately debunking that theory. In Devotional, devotional service means to act in a manner that is pleasing to Krishna. That is called bhakti. Sarvopadivinir muktam tatparatvena nirmalam rishi kena rishi kesha sevanam bhakti ruchati. First of all, being freed from the misconception of identifying oneself with this material world. One has to engage the senses in the service of the master of the senses, and this is called bhakti. 
One cannot engage the material contaminated, materially contaminated senses in the service of the master of the senses. If one is thinking, I am an object of this material world, and this material world is a place of enjoyment for myself, then he cannot serve Krishna. He cannot serve Adhokshaja. He who is beyond the, the scope of observation by the material senses. One might perform what he thinks is bhakti. But then if one thinks that, if one has not received spiritual knowledge, if one has no concept of Vishnu as being adhoksaja, adhoksaja means not perceivable by the material senses, perceivable by the spiritualized senses. So if one has no concept, that one may think that one serving Vishnu, but it's it's a material material concept of Vishnu, and that's religion as it's based, as it's known in this world is. Uh, begins with conceptualizing of the Supreme as material. That uh, I want to enjoy my senses, he does also, so basically we're in the same category. But he's bigger and more powerful than me, so I have to be careful of him. Better not do anything he doesn't like. And if I flatter him, then he may give me some facility for enjoying myself. And if I if I do enough meditation and austerity, then my, by my own power, I will capture the position of Bhagavan. So this is the materialistic understanding of religion. And real religion begins on the Adhokshaja platform. Sarvopadivinirmuktam I don't belong to this material world. I belong to Bhagavan, to Vishnu. I am meant for his service on the transcendental platform of satisfying his transcendental senses. Not nothing, nothing to do with satisfying my material senses, and nothing to do with satisfying his material senses because he doesn't have material senses. So bhakti actually begins with hearing and understanding. And uh, who is Vishnu, how he is to be served. And then we have to act according to scriptural directions. Anukul yasya sankalpa, pratikul yasya vajanam. To act in a manner that is pleasing to him and avoid all those activities which are displeasing to him. To act in a manner that is favorable for cultivation of devotional service, favorable for purifying our consciousness so that we can actually serve Bhagavan. We can't serve Bhagavan if we have materially contaminated senses. So we have to follow scriptural directions to uh, purify the consciousness. And pratikul yasyabharjanam, that which is uh, detrimental to developing that consciousness, that should be avoided or given up. So that which nourishes the Understanding all those activities which nourish the understanding of I am the eternal transcendental servant of the eternal transcendental unlimited supreme Lord, those activities should be accepted. And those activities which nourish the consciousness that I am the enjoyer of this material world, uh, that should be, or I, I am the rejecter of this material world. I 
I have seen everything in the world and I reject it. And by my own power I shall become liberated from this world. So this bhog and tyag, without connection to Vishnu, they're, they're two sides of the same coin of envy of Krishna. So this is sharanagati. Means uh, taking shelter of the Lord, one does so by acting in a manner that is favorable for cultivating consciousness of Him and rejecting all activities which are unfavorable for developing that consciousness or which reinforce materialistic consciousness. So the essence of all advice or, or all sadhana for Kali Yuga is Haryan Nama, Haryan Nama, Haryan Nama, Eva Kevalam, Kalo Nasjeva, 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 Gatiranyata. That simply, there is no other way than chanting the holy name, chanting the holy name, chanting the holy name of Lord Hari to attain the supreme destination. So sometimes this is misunderstood or misinterpreted to mean that, well, we'll just chant Hare Krishna and then we don't have to worry about anything else. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his followers have by their personal example and by uh, compiling books told us that there's more to it than that. If there were, if Otherwise there's no need to say Anukulyasya Sankalpa Pratikulyasya Varjanam. If it's just chant Hare Krishna, then there's no need to consider what else we should do or think of. If you just chant Hare Krishna, and then you, you, you can do whatever else you like. But it's not like that. If we, if we chant Hare Krishna, as many Mayavadis do, but we think that we are to become Krishna, or there is no such person as Krishna, or we are chanting the names of Sagun Brahma, and by doing so we shall realize that ultimately Bhagavan is Nirgun. Uh, then that chanting is offensive chanting. And that chanting in, in millions of lifetimes will never give love on Krishna. So when it said, Harer Nama Eva Kevalam, that means that that Harinam has to be uh, received in disciplic succession from Guru, and Guru is not only Nam Pradata, not only the giver of the name, but he is Gyan Pradata. He also gives knowledge of who is that name, who are we, how we are to serve the name, and what shall be the result of serving the name. That is Sambandha Abhideya Prayojan. He gives knowledge of all these things. Without knowing these things, uh, then our chanting, it won't come to perfection because we shall remain in the uh, bodily concept of life or the, the thinking that I am the enjoyer of this material world. Now, I particularly wanted to point this out because I've been hearing recently some comments <laughs> that... Uh, I was in one place recently and some people came, some devote, initiated devotees came from another city and later one devotee, after they'd gone, one devotee said to me that they had said to him that actually we're happy that we're initiated by our Guru Maharaj and your Guru is too strict, he gives all these different restrictions 
And then in that same town, someone else who's initiated is going around to the... There are new people who are coming, who are enthusiastic householders, and they're coming for Mongolarti, and an initiated devotee is going around saying, Why are you getting up and going to Mongolarti? Why are you why are you suffering so much by taking so many difficulties? We're also initiated, we're also in spiritual life. So you can just be like us. You can why why you want to be so strict, all these things, not not watching T V and not taking karmi food. Why do you want to? We're also in spiritual life. We're also initiated. So, and uh, same thing from another, from the other side of India. Someone is saying so many that my one disciple from Punjab was telling me that there are so many initiated devotees there, and they all eat karmi food, and they say, well, why? You know, What's wrong? So you can offer it to Krishna and it becomes prasadam. You know, the Krishna's a it's it it's he's a offering machine. You stick it in front of the machine, blubber out a few words, and it becomes prasadam. Okay, now it's prasadam. You convert it into prasadam. That's Krishna's job. He stands there and you you get some bread from the shop and you stick it in front of him. And uh, you say a few words, and then it's prasad. And uh, they're saying, "Well, it's just practical." What do they What do they mean by saying it's practical? What 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 do they mean by saying that? What does it What does it mean that actually my goal, my only aim of life is to be a pure devotee, and it's practical because I I am so absorbed in service that I don't have time to cook. And uh, therefore, it's practical for me to buy some kami bread or some biscuits or some chocolates from the shop and offer it to Krishna. I wouldn't dare, I wouldn't dream of eating it without offering it to Krishna, even though you're not quite sure whether it's vegetarian. And actually, in these commercial factories where they make bread, it's well known, and, it, and all this fruit juice, all these things, the people they who are working there, they take pleasure in spitting into it. It's I've heard from different parts of the world. You've heard that? They just take... It's their fun. They... <laughs> so, you can love... You can offer it with love and devotion to Krishna. So, so uh, they say it's practical. What does that mean? Pra- practical, by that it means that they're, they're suggesting that you know we're so absorbed in service and... But it actually means practical means they're too lazy to cook. That's what it means. So, so what's going on here? Is it the same? You see, you get initiated, and then if you get, isn't it better to get initiated by someone who doesn't tell you not to eat carny <coughs> foods, not to watch TV, uh, or to get initiated by someone who does tell you to do all things? Because if you're initiated, then you're in spiritual life, and as soon as when you're initiated, then by the Mercy of the Guru, you go to Krishna, and uh, you see, it's then it doesn't matter if, if one Guru says, or if he doesn't tell you specifically not to eat kami foods, not to watch TV, not to go to kami movies, and all this kind of thing, then it's okay, it's allowed, it's accepted. And if the Guru allows it, then it's fully spiritual. 
And so you get the same result. Is it? Doesn't seem to be here. From what's stated here in Sri Yoshopanishad, that you get one result from cultivating one kind of knowledge or one result from acting in one way and one result from another. It's 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 not that just because you sit in some ceremony and someone says to you, Your name is so and so Das and everyone says, Jai and then you get the same result whether you go to Mongolati or not. It's not the same thing. This is called Mayavad, Jatomat in which you think everything is all the same. This is uh, an insult to our Acharyas who have taken the, the trouble to write all these books telling us what to do so that we can get advanced. So we, we don't care. We know better. It's... It's not that I am very strict. I'm just teaching. That's what a guru is supposed to do. Is I'm just saying what the previous acharyas have said. And that's what is the definition of a guru. And if you don't do that, then you're not a guru. Even though you may have some institutional rubber stamp guru. And you can go around and put a rubber stamp on people's head. Disciple. But it's, it's got nothing to do with Rupa Goswami or the Parampara who give us instructions that, that are supposed to be imparted and followed so that you can make spiritual advancement. And if you, if you follow, then you make spiritual advancement. And if you don't, then you don't make spiritual advancement. There's a difference. And if you, for instance, eat karmi food, then you become contaminated by the consciousness of the cook. It's a, it's a major factor in Vedic culture. That's why... People, they were very strict about, they wouldn't eat here and there. It was a major factor in Vedic culture. You don't, you don't just eat from anywhere, anything. Even so many Brahmins, they used to cook for themselves. They didn't, and they didn't used to take in from their wives. They used to cook, just they'd cook for themselves, they'd offer and take. They cook for one. They were so strict. So that was there because the what we eat, you can say, well, it's prasadam. You say, I, I, I put it in front of the picture of Krishna and, and blubbered out a few mantras with all with with pure bhakti, with great love. I took the the kami bread and offered it to Krishna. Krishna doesn't eat that kind of stuff. Anyway, so you can say it's prasad, but Krishna Krishna is not forced to accept it. And even if you go through the motions of so-called offering it, still the consciousness of the person, uh, if he's not, if the person who's cooked it has cooked it with lust, anger and greed, that's going to come through. As stated by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Vishayirana Kaili Dushtu Malin Hoiman Malin Hoile Nahi Krishna Shmaran Krishna Smaran Nahoile Nishval Jiva. Chaitanya Mahabharu said that if you eat the food of materialistic people, the grains especially, then the mind becomes contaminated. And if the mind is contaminated, then you can't remember Krishna. If you don't remember Krishna, then your life is spent. You might say, well, I'm remembering Krishna. Which Krishna? What Krishna? Your concept of Krishna. No. But Krishna, who is to be served by transcendental senses, who is to be served according to the directions of Shastra, that uh, 
that mental concoction you have, which you think is Krishna, that is not adhokshita, Krishna. That's that's the Krishna that you you have made you have made in the factory of your mind as someone who serve who serves you and gives you blessings for your sense gratification in this world. That is not actual Bhagavan. So we may. We may comfort ourselves that we're doing Krishna Seva, but it's it's not Shruti Smriti Puranadi Pancharatra Vidhin Vina. It's not Pancharatra Vidhi. It's Pancharatra Vidhi Vina. It's without following the directions of Shastra. So it's not that I'm very strict. I'm just telling what Prabhupada taught us. That's all. And and uh, that, that, that was the uh, you can find that I think that's in that book Prabhupada in Germany that Sankirtan devotees are going out traveling and they're eating kami bread and Prabhupada told them not when, he, when the devotees asked they were purchasing bread Prabhupada said no, no not at all they should not do this he stopped that it's very bad there's uh, one time there was a lot of in one temple, there was so much arguing among the devotees, this and that. That was reported to Prabhupada. Prabhupada, his first question, who is the cook? <laughs> what is the consciousness of the cook? Another time, there was, uh, the, the Prabhupada was brought prasad, offered to the deity, he appreciated so much, he called the cook, Kurma Prabhupada. And he said, thank you very much for following the rules and regulations very nicely. The things are not disconnected. A sannyasi, according to, even according to Smartalo, a, a, a karma, a karma sannyasi, he can eat any food from anywhere. But for that's, but for a devotee, he likes to take only that which is offered to Krishna. That is a principle of devotional service given in the nectar of devotion. That one should take only that which is offered to Krishna. So there, it's not that it's all the same. It's not that if you if you practice according to the directions of Shastra and if you don't practice that it's all the same. Then then you can, if you have this concept then you convert the, it, it, the guru-disciple relationship becomes something very cheap, just by the mercy of Guru. But the mercy of Guru is that he instructs you. Otherwise it becomes like the sahajyas that Bhaktisdhan Sahasrakta fought against. That The Guru is just some kind of figurehead who comes around and he gives you blessings and you give him a donation and then you just go on with life as you like. And we have Vaishnavs. We have Tilak and we have neck beads and we do Kirtan, but there's the, they don't care very much for rules. We're vegetarian. <laughs> But where is the where is the strong desire to become Krishna conscious? This idea that it's all just mercy. Yes, everything depends on the mercy of the Guru. But the the mercy is that he he teaches how to act in a manner that our consciousness will become purified that we can become Krishna conscious. It's not all the same. It's not just a matter of rubber stamping. So this is a serious misconception that makes everything weak. And then 
then then preacher becomes someone who just tries to bring more and more people in to a very low level and somehow or other get them initiated and then but where's the change of heart just collecting numbers they don't know any philosophy they don't know what this how to act as a devotee or not act as a devotee but good preacher means someone who can collect by sentiment or charisma people and bring them in and and then you increase the numbers but what's the use not one of them even understood what we're supposed to be doing how we're supposed to be acting then it becomes a personality cult it's it's working on this on the same principle as something like you know, Sai Baba or something like that. It's just bringing numbers and uh, and then you don't, you don't teach them too much or you don't worry too much about that because it's all by the mercy of the Guru and it's all by everything by the holy name and in the meantime everyone's just arguing with each other and because they have no higher goal and then they'll be they, they don't know how to act according to the way that the Acharyas have taught us and they'll remain neophytes and sentimentalists where's the spiritual advancement that we have to see how people are making spiritual advancement so it should be an obvious point that not Everything, by, not everything is the same. If you act in one way, you get one result. If you act in another way, you get another result. If you uh, use all your time for serving Krishna and you're not interested in watching TV and going to Kami movies and so, so many different things, then that is Krishna consciousness. And if you think, well, I'll, I'll just, you know, watch a little TV here and there. That's going to pollute the consciousness. That's bad association. But if you think it's all the same, anyway, all the other devotees are doing it. So what's the difference? But what is devotee? Instead, instead of aiming for the highest and and inspiring people to come up to the highest level beyond the modes of material nature, if we simply try to make it so easy that anyone can come, then why should anyone come? Because what is there to inspire? Then the only thing that's left to inspire, of course, Kirtan is there. And, but uh, there's a difference between the, the Kirtan of persons who are committed to serve Krishna and those who are not. That's why that... Uh, the kirtan of those who are not committed to serve Krishna, they're more interested in the the musical, how it sounds like musically, and they're more interested in, uh, they'll, they'll bring in so many different songs and so many different tunes and, and so many different things. Or they may sing the songs, they may sing the songs that, uh, what is that? Sarvasvatoma Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, they'll, you can sing the song, but it's only lip deep. There's no, there's no, you sing the song, but then in your life, there's no follow through. That we sing the Krishna, I am yours. I'm, I'm only, every action of mine is only meant for your pleasure. 
And then we, uh, and then just to be practical, we go and eat some ice cream from the Kami store because it's pra- we say it's practical and it's it's okay. There's nothing wrong. There's no- Why should we uh, mix the two things? That's what the Prakrita Sahajis they do. They say that everything you want to do, that's also okay because Krishna loves his devotees and so. Krishna wants to see his devotees happy. So if you become happy by engaging in some sense gratification, then Krishna also becomes happy. So it's bhakti. This is all rascal. Of course, we we haven't seen such gross manifestations in our ISKCON movement yet. Not much. But it, it's the same, the seed of the same attitude is there. Why try hard? Why suffer? Why take so much suffering by going to Mongolia? What's suffering? It's suffering is lying in the mode of ignorance asleep. And ecstasy is... That, that's why people want to come, because they're feeling, this is so wonderful, we want to get up early in the morning. But some other people are envious, who don't want to be seen that they're not actually... Sp- they want to pose as being devoted. I've been initiated for 15 years, I'm senior to you, but they don't have any spiritual practice. They want to show themselves very simply envy that they don't want to see others become spiritually advanced so they try to discourage them. That you don't need to... Why follow so strictly? You follow strictly that, that again one time devotee is proper. How can we make a quickly advancement in devotion? So as Prabhupada said, follow all the rules and regulations strictly. So the rules and regulations are there. Why? Because by following them we can, they're given by the Acharyas. That is their mercy. That is the mercy of the Gurus, to follow the, this so we can become advanced. And it's not the same that if you follow and if you don't follow, it's all the same. To say like that is simply rascal. That's, it's, like I said, it's an insult to our Acharyas. So it should be a, a easily understandable point. But... Those who don't want to understand will have another kind of reasoning. <laughs> so we offer our obeisances to them from a long distance and we shall go on with faith in the words of Shastra and the Acharyas that this is the path back to Godhead. And uh, half Half-hearted approach may bring us halfway to the heavenly planets, which is not actually even halfway, not anywhere near halfway, but it won't bring us to Krishna. It's not all the same, not by any means. Any question about this? I mean, to me it's just a very clear, straightforward point, but this kind of thing is being preached quite widely, it seems, actually all over the movement, not just here in India, that you don't have to follow so strictly. Why push yourself? Recognize your position. Uh, yeah, be yourself. Recognize your position. Don't be artificial. Yeah, another. Don't be artificial means that you just don't be a fanatic. All these kind of things. Or so many uh, high-sounding reasons to avoid surrendering. And or in surrendering, just even following the basic process. It's actually very insulting to Prabhupada to say that this is 
this is how we should practice Krishna consciousness. Then you go, then you go and join this transcendental meditation or the fat of living or something. Go and join that. You know, why, why bother with this? Why come here at all? What are you doing here? These people should be kicked out. But nowadays we love everyone. Yeah, yeah. From the beginning they're spoiled. You can't do much with them. Or they attract attract this type of people which you really don't know to do. Yeah. So these things are going on. <laughs> there is one country in Eastern Europe. Uh, recently, <coughs> survey survey was undergone. And, uh, question what was, was undergone? Survey, yeah. So a uh, question was, do you eat chocolate? And uh, actually, among the world, in congregation, among congregation. And... Uh, 80% of the soul, if I'm not mistaken, uh, admit that they, you know, eat, you know, sometimes or, or that they eat chocolate. You know, yeah. So, uh, and we're not even surprised to hear it. <laughs> this is it's gone today. <laughs> and uh, you know, some devotees were you know, telling that this is a good, you know, that so many people came, you know, out and that they admit, you know. Some devotees were commenting like, "This is good." The devotees, you know, admit that they are eating chocolate. Like, they they admit that they are, you know, sinful or fallen or you know, uh, <laughs> not sweet. <laughs> and this is a great. This is a you know like a. Uh, it's, yeah. a it's a sign this, of improvement, you know, and maturing, you know, mature. Becoming mature, becoming yeah. mature. This word is another thing. Be mature. When I hear someone say "be mature," it means be a rascal, actually what they call being mature. Being mature means not following anything that using, reinterpreting everything that Prabhupada said. This is called being mature. <laughs> yeah. You can just comment on so many times the body said that everything in the Dham is prasadam. Everything in the Dham is prasadam. Well, there are many nice pigs in the Vrindavan Dham and you can go and eat their stool if you like, if you have such vision. It's also prasadam. You're welcome. Be my guest. Of course, uh, I remember, I think, Kudaka Sanita or something, even if they don't offer all the Dham, Krishna everything. All right, so you take and see. But it, what is your attitude, you rascal? You go past the sweet shop and you think, I want to enjoy. Then it's not prasad. Prasad means Krishna's mercy. Krishna's mercy means he's giving it and you have to have the attitude to receive it. If you take Krishna prasad as sense gratification, then you'll get the result of sense gratification. Actually, for a pure devotee, it doesn't matter, dham or no dham. He sees everything as Krishna's mercy. A pure devotee doesn't even have to offer anything. Tell that to your friends, they'll love that one. It's all the same, but to him, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't see anything separate from Krishna. He takes everything as Krishna's mercy. So, if you have that vision, then don't go to the sweet shop. Then you can do madhukari. You can eat a few dry chapatis. The system is you can't go to more than what eight houses, seven houses, eight houses. And whatever they give you in one day, that's what you eat. That's the vision, seeing everything in the Dharma as prasadam. 
Not that you go to the sweet shop. <laughs> he used to do. Yeah. Did Prabhupada say that? Is it? I never heard that. Yeah, they're dressed in saffron and standing yeah. inside, a, standing outside the, the, the temple with ice lassies. Doesn't look good. Hmm. He's sick and un- he's also starving. Yeah. And, and then what? Yeah, so what's the question? Someone's sick and he's in a situation where he's starving also. So he has no other option than to take Really? How does I don't follow the logic? How do the two things? Like guru is somebody traveling somewhere outside, so he has no option to cook some. I've traveled all over India, Bangladesh, Burma, Thailand for the last 30 years, and I, with difficulty, I've gone on. I must admit. I have eaten in restaurants at times, but not as a regular practice. Sometimes if you're going for several days, it may be. But, uh, you know, eating in a restaurant, I mean, maybe one time in a few years or something. Medicine what? Medicine what? What medicine? Kami medicine, if you have to take, you take it. But the home food... Home-cooked food is always better than karmic food. Otherwise, if you're traveling, you, what you do, if you're traveling for a few days, you, you cook some parota, which lasts for a few days, and you take that with acha. Never mind about devotees, the karmis in India used to do that. I, when I was traveling 30 years ago on the train, you'd find it was a normal thing. People, they didn't like to eat from the... All the trains, there was only vegetarian food, originally, on the Indian railways. Later it came that they gave meat and all this and eggs. But even people didn't like to take that. They'd cook the family, they'd cook themselves and they'd take that. Or they'd take some fruit or they wouldn't eat. That's, the Kamis were so strict. They, wouldn't, they didn't want to eat food from outside. Medicine, yeah, if you need to take medicine, then take it. But I don't, medicine and Kami food are two different things. There used to be also, they didn't, they would, they'd put the cloth around so no one could see them while they're eating. They didn't like to be seen while they're eating. Or they'd, they'd turn and face so no one could see them. Was, people used to follow all these things. I remember one time we was traveling Howrah to Bombay, we reached Nagpur about 6 o'clock in the morning, 20 minutes stop, and so many people jumped out and there's the, the water... The pipers that jumped out took a bath early morning. Nowadays, if you reach Nagpur 6 in the morning, they'll all be asleep. They won't be up even. But they were, they're up and they wanted to take bath. So, you lost your culture. <laughs> what you think is normal is subhuman. What you think is being practical is subhuman. 
<laughs> Uncivilized. Even by, I'm saying, by karmi standards, not, not even by devotee standards. Some, some devotees say, you just follow rules and regulations. Four rules, and you turn to Hare Krishna. And uh, other activities, it depends on time, place, circumstance, some changing. Yeah, that's true. But time, this time, place, and circumstance, most of the time it's quoted to justify someone's sense gratification, actually. <laughs> Some adjustment may be there. When Harikesh didn't want to preach in Russia, Prabhupada was pushing him, pushing him, and eventually he said, well, there's only meat to eat. And Prabhupada said, then you eat meat, but you go and preach. So, that's, uh, he didn't eat meat, but there's not much, there wasn't much nice to eat in those days. If one actually has the consciousness that whatever I do, I must do for the satisfaction of Krishna, then we can make all kinds of adjustments. But what the thing is, that we make adjustments for our own sense gratification and we, we, ju- we justify it that I'm doing it for Krishna. And that is rascaldom. If we say time, place and circumstance, therefore I have to eat chocolates, there's no time, place or circumstance in which you have to eat chocolates unless maybe you're, somehow or other you get locked in a chocolate factory and everyone's gone on, on holiday for two weeks and there's nothing else to eat. It's pretty difficult to imagine that there's any time, place or circumstance in which you have to eat chocolate. <laughs> huh? hmm? They kidnap you and someone just forces you to eat chocolate. By the way, chocolate, I heard, they, they, they smash the beans and they don't bother to take out all the bugs. There's always lots of bugs in the chocolate. So, you're eating lots of nutritious, it's got lots of protein, iron, phosphorus, very good for health. That's what there were, I remember years ago in Vrindavan, there was some, uh, someone, there was one boy from Nepal, he'd just come and joined the Guru Court. So, they gave some, someone's distributing sweets and their ants crawling all over so he just took and he said hey it's all ants it's good for the eyes <laughs> so maybe good very good for health garlic's very good for health so we're told so is wine little wine very good not too much but little is actually seems from all scientific reports that if you take a little wine every day it's very good for health so why don't you be practical it's good for health and you can serve Krishna better you can Eat chocolate and wine and meat also. There's a lot of strength. Fish full of iodine, good for the brain. And you know, unless we eat, unless someone eats the chickens, then they'll, they'll, the chickens will go on reproducing, and then there'll be chickens everywhere. So it's a service to society to eat chickens. Otherwise, we'll be overrun by chickens, like that. that Hitchcock film, the birds. <laughs> so we have to eat the chickens, otherwise they'll they'll over they'll they'll rebel against us and take us over, and then the prime minister will be a chicken. <laughs> might do better. You never know. But, so you can find some you can find some 
justification for everything. I'm not going to chant Hare Krishna because then I won't become Krishna conscious. Then I'll become Krishna conscious later. And then when I become Krishna conscious, I'll be more ecstatic because I, I suffered longer in the material world. So it's better I enjoy the material world and forget Krishna because then later on when I become Krishna conscious, it'll be more blissful. That's a good reasoning, isn't it? Sometimes we hear from devotees after some time of Ramachar life they want to get married and then they say something like unless you go through it you know it will hit you later and this and that. It may be. It may be. Yeah, according to the individual. If one has enough strength he can go on. If not, then he can't. That's all. And that's what Prabhupada said, that after age 30, married life is not very palatable. I think that's the word he used. So I, I recommend to young men by age, who are brahmacharis, latest age 30, you, you should make a decision which way you want. If you haven't already made a decision, then you should make it and go one way or the other. Because if you're going to marry, then better to do it early and, and get it. Over rather than marrying at the age of 45, it's better. As for me, I made my decision early on when the, the temple president, I was just a few days in, and the temple president said, Ah, oh, so difficult married life. I thought, Well, he's a senior devotee and he knows all about it, so better avoid it. What do you think, Sanatan Goswami? He'd like to get married. He was married. But his wife would like to do the ballroom dancing. So, ballroom dancing? Yeah, I don't, I don't have to say it in Croatian, so you can look it up in the dictionary. So, and then he didn't want to do. He, had, he was doing a different kind of dancing. So she, well, she didn't dance out of the house. She danced him out of the house. That's the system in Russia. If, the, if the, the house belonged to him, the apartment, but the system is in Russia that the wife takes it. So he didn't have a house to live in, so he became Aniketa Stiramati. No house, but mind fixed on Krishna. So he knows. He's, he's been through it. Uh, whatever like uh, some devotees prefer to take uh, like cakes and, uh, and uh, oh there are so pizza. many things I've written I've written a whole book on this yeah they like to take pizza you can offer it to Krishna if you like but from whatever information we have there's no there's no pizza in the spiritual world so if you have that desire to eat pizza, you're going to have to come back to this material world to fulfill it. Better we take what Krishna likes. The kind of thing that he likes. When we ask Panu Maharaj about this, 
said that you and Italy, those cyber things, you know, there's nothing traditional, and even grains we used to there, there not to present that when Krishna was Wheat? Wheat must have been there. Because Bhaktivinoda Thakur describes Krishna as taking roti. So many items like today, but we were not considered like Yeah, but our have offered them to Krishna, isn't it? As, as part of the standard food. This is the point we if our acharyas feed it to Krishna, then that's acceptable. They know what Krishna likes. I spoke even in the train with a person who is manager of a sugar factory. Mm-hmm. I heard from many uh, devotees that nowadays sugar, white sugar, is made quickly, uh, getting this white color to the bones. Still? It hasn't been done in the West for a long time. What, what did the manager of the sugar factory tell you? First, what he told me is not true. But then another person who was sitting behind me, he told, yes, I heard also. And then he, he told, yeah, maybe we are still... Uh, he, 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 he it wasn't fair. Uh, you can investigate if you like. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard that for many years it hasn't been done in the West. That they don't do that. But it's well known that Prabhupada said to use it anyway because that's that's a major thing for service of Krishna. What you can do, it's a lot more expensive. They do in Mayapur, in the real Gurukul, Bhakti Vidyapurimaraj's Gurukul. They take Mishri, the candy, rock sugar, and they powder that and use that. That's traditional sugar, non-refined.